I'm Peter Best, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to Meet the Expert, the podcast series on swine health management in practice brought to you by Beringer Ingeheim. For this episode of Meet the Expert, we can bring you the inside story on the largest program in Europe, and possibly even globally, to eradicate the PERS virus from the swine farms in a specific territory. Our guest is a swine veterinary practitioner from Denmark who devised the program and has continued to advise the farms in, in the program since its start in January 2019. He's Dr. Christian Hahn. Hello, Dr. Hahn. It's good to have this chance of talking to you. Hello, Peter. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Before I go on to introduce you to our friends properly, Dr. Hahn, uh, at the start I referred to an area eradication program for the PERS virus in a particular area of Denmark. Um, is it right that uh, as many as 40 swine production sites have taken part? Yes, that's correct. I think the correct number was 40, yes. And were these all with sows, or and did they all have different owners? Uh, I think we counted uh, 16 different owners of these altogether 40 farms. And uh, I think, depending on if you calculate the gill quarantines as sows, uh, sow units, we were about uh, 9 to 10 different sow farms uh, included in the, in the 40 sows. 40 farms and yeah. Sorry. Are we talking about PERS virus eradication or control? I mean, what was the PERS status of these farms before the start and what's their status now? Um, it was actually very different. Most of the farms were uh, a minimum antibody positive uh, and some of them were also virus positive, including uh, even one sow farm that was in the middle of a PERS virus outbreak at the time where we started up the program. And we also included a few farms that were uh, both uh, virus and antibody uh, negative, but they for sure wanted to, to uh, participate in the program uh, uh, to support the farmers that were included uh, in the project uh, more or less to protect themselves because they could see the benefits of eradicating the virus uh, uh, from the whole area and thereby uh, increasing uh, their own chances of staying out uh, uh, an outbreak. It is an area which has a history of PERS problems then, does it? That's for sure. It's a very peak dense area uh, that we're talking about. Uh, I just calculated the size of the area this morning and I think it was, it's about 15 uh, times 5 kilometers. So that tells a lot if it's 40 farms. Yeah, surely, surely. Now, uh, these changes in per status, I know it's only, uh, as we're talking, it's two years that the program's been operational, but uh, have you any data yet to say that the per status changes have been reflected in her performance figures? Um, uh, not, uh, not very hard data, but we can definitely see that, uh, especially, of course, the sow farms that were virus positive at the time uh, when we started the program, they are obviously doing a lot better now. But I would also say, especially now when it's winter, we have uh, less uh, airway diseases in the growers and the finisher pigs uh, regarding APP 
uh, mycoplasma lung disease problems that are in many cases uh, secondary diseases to, to PERS virus. Hmm. Let's come back to you then, please, Dr. Han. As I said at the beginning, uh, you know, uh, I would need to introduce you properly to our friends uh, who are listening to or watching this interview. I see you've been a farmer and even a helicopter pilot, but uh, for the last 20, 20 years or so, you've been a, a veterinarian specializing in swine medicine, and today you're a veterinarian and co-owner at the Porcus Veterinary Practice in Denmark. Uh, what's Porcus, please? As you mentioned, uh, Porcus is a specialized uh, pig veterinary clinic. Uh, we are at the moment 21 uh, full-time pig veterinarians and we are uh, consulting a little more than 1,200 uh, pig farms in Denmark, uh, which is uh, around 25% of the industry. And is it right that this idea for eradication of PERS virus in a specific area that it, that it came to you where you're a passenger on a flight over the Atlantic, is that right? <laughs> yeah, it's probably right, Peter. You know, um, when you're stuck in the plane seat for like 12 hours, there are you have three options. Either you go crazy or you start sleeping or you get funny ideas of what you can do better in your work. So uh, I, I guess I chose the last one. What, why were you in a plane over the Atlantic? Were, were you coming back or going to a meeting? I was coming back. I had the fortune to participate in the Beringer Ingelheim uh, Visa Gold uh, training program at uh, Iowa State University. That I think it was the summer of 2018. And uh, I got a lot of, of uh, good stuff uh, there uh, to, to bring home. And this, uh, this program was... Uh, eventually as one of the ideas that I took back from, from so, the training course. So specifically for me then, was it the idea for an area elimination program or what was it that you heard at Iowa State University that gave you the idea to try it in Denmark? Um, some of our American colleagues at the university uh, in Iowa, they did a very, very nice presentation on the work that, that they have done uh, in especially the northern part of, of the state of Iowa uh, on uh, um, area level, eradication post virus on an area level. And uh, I was very inspired by that presentation and I basically thought it should be possible for us also to do something like that in Denmark because we have the same, you can say, experience working with that virus uh, on a farm level. Uh, so that was basically uh, the, the idea that I got from, from that presentation. And you heard about area elimination or control programs for PERS that have been tried elsewhere, including in Denmark, I, I think, uh, mm -hmm. before, but not on the scale of 40 farms. I mean, that's, that's you know, incredible jump up. And I think some of the people who were involved in those earlier programs were, let's say, reluctant to think about upscaling what they had achieved on fewer farms. Why did you think a much bigger project with 40 farms was going to work? Ah, there was many different reasons for that, actually. Um, one of them was the benefit for the farmers uh, from a, an economical point of view. Uh, that was like an, uh, a really nice option. 
Um, but it was also because of the area that I eventually chose uh, to, to do the eradication program in. Uh, and, you know, some, somehow there were uh, 40 farms in the area that I had chosen. Uh, if it was 25 farms or 55 farms or whatever, I would have uh, run the same program. So it wasn't really about the size or number of farms included, but it was more choosing the right area, which uh, by coincidence uh, was uh, 40 farms. Was there any connection between these farms before, Dr. Hohn? Uh, I mean, were they part of a, a, an area plan for health or did they communicate with, with each other a lot? Was there any connection like that? And not at all. The, these are uh, around 16 uh, independent uh, farmers, uh, so they had no connection uh, whatsoever. Now, you say 16 independent farmers, did you? Is that, did I hear you right? 16? Yeah, I think it was, yes. So some of them uh, owned multiple sites out of the 40, the 40 were owned by 16 people, so obviously some of them own multiple sites. Yeah, that was varying from everything from one farm, uh, one owner, and the biggest one owns 16 farms in the area. Oh, now just for my advice, is that uh, good from a veterinary advice perspective? If you're trying area elimination, is it better to have units in the same ownership or what would you say? Um, it's probably easier uh, the fewer owners that you try to include in, in a program like this because that was uh, absolutely one of the biggest challenges in, in running a program uh, of this scale that you uh, I think all pig veterinarians they more or less they know how to eradicate the virus or at least can get control with the first virus on a farm level or within a multi-site system uh, but uh, you are in that case working with one farmer maybe one manager and it's very easy to team up if you're only two guys or three guys but in this case where where we have to to team up uh, with 20 or 25 different people uh, it takes a lot more than just controlling the virus. Uh, we need we needed to make them feel as a team, to work as a team, to understand that that uh, eradicating the virus from one farm benefits uh, all farms in the area and so forth. So that was actually uh, one of the biggest challenges. But I was prepared for that because that was exactly what our American colleagues uh, they. They joined us at that uh, training course in Iowa that that uh, they really uh, did a good job uh, teaming up all the farmers in the area. So I knew that before we got started, that that might be uh, like like uh, the biggest challenge, actually. And did you get the farmers together uh, before you started? <clears throat> and so they met each other and started communicating in some way. Did, where did you start with that? Did you go to them individually or did you bring them all together? Uh, both. We I started calling all the farmers and told them about uh, the idea and the project and uh, uh, on the phone trying to convince them that I was actually 
extremely important that everybody was a part of of the project. We couldn't just leave out one or two farms because they they would be able to reinfect the whole uh, region. So it was urgent that everybody was included in the project. And and eventually, when everybody accepted for a common meeting, uh, I invited everybody for coffee and sandwiches, I think. And and uh, everybody was quite silent. They were listening, and some was nodding, and some was agreeing. But but most of them, they were quite silent, because they live in the same area. They have known each other for twenty or thirty years, and God knows what uh, they had uh, conflicts uh, in in the past. Um, but so it took one or two meetings before they all nodded and and you know bought the idea of working together on on this project. Were they doing it, in your view, because individually they thought there was a return on investment for them personally, or did they understand the area concept? I, th- I think it was the, both, because they they finally they tended to underst- to understand that that uh, I mean maybe one farmer uh, couldn't care. Uh, much about uh, having the virus on his farms. He could start arguing, my farms are doing well, my productivity is high, so why why do I want to be included in this? But eventually they tend to understand that, that if the neighbor uh, was eradicating whatever disease from his farm, PERS virus in this case, uh, that would add in more biosecurity uh, to the other farmer and thereby lowering uh, his risk and uh, so it's like a payback if you do something for me i'll do something for you and, and at the end it will benefit uh, benefit everybody in the area so it took took a while to understand the concept but but they finally they did and they did a tremendous work uh, helping uh, on the project everybody worked very hard mm. uh- Tell me a little bit more about these different farms, will you? Because, I mean, you said how, how many had sows. I mean, how big were they in terms of the numbers of sows per unit, per herd? No, they were actually very, very different. We had a few multiplier uh, farms. Uh, one of them is with, I think, it's 200, 220 sows, something like that. And at that time, the biggest one, I think, was 1,450 sows and, and pretty much everything in between. And were they close together geographically? You know, how, how close were they? Were they close enough to get virus by airborne transmission, for example? That's for sure. That That is obviously what has been going on the two or three decades uh, in the area and you can you can basically you can see from one farm to the other uh, they are pretty close it's a pig dense area so airborne transmission was very much part of the uh, eradication program the target to, uh, to reduce or eliminate the airborne transmission of the virus um, well, both yes and no. Uh, there isn't much you can do about airborne transmission. Uh, we the prominent wind direction in Denmark is is from west, uh, so you might take that into consideration and start eradicating from west uh, towards east to make to lower at least lower the risk of airborne transmission. But I think. Uh, Basically, airborne transmission is not something that you can do much about. But what you can do on a biosecurity level, and which is very important, is how do you avoid uh, these 
pathogens to be uh, transported from the outside, outside the farm area uh, into the herd uh, area. Uh, uh, and in that case, uh, you can do quite a lot to change the, or to lower the risk. Uh, but obviously airborne transmission in an area like that is, is, is important, but you just can't do much about it. Let me pause for a moment to remind everyone that more information on this conversation, like articles, publications and videos, can be found on the website pers.com. I, I was thinking, and I'm not <clears throat> the vet, as you know, uh, that you know the virus release is greater from growing and finishing pigs than from a sow establishment, and therefore the risk of airborne transmission from growing site to sow breeding site in that direction is greater, and therefore uh, you would start with the growing pigs, if you like, in in your terms of your eradication program before starting on the sows. Do, does that make sense? Did you start with growing pigs in some way? I, I totally agree with you, Peter. Uh, the virus load, the shedding of virus is obviously uh, uh, much bigger on, on a big finisher farm than on a, on a smaller sow herd. Um, <clears throat> on the other hand, uh, it doesn't make much sense to me uh, start eradicating from behind you need to start with the sows, the gills and the sows. Uh, and uh, when you are rid of the virus uh, on the sow farm, then you can move on to eradicating the virus in the wiener barns and eventually uh, the finisher barns. It doesn't make much sense eradicating, trying to eradicate the virus from a finisher farm if you at the same time keep feeding the farm with a virus positive 30 kilo pigs. Uh, so it, it, we need we need it in all cases to get started uh, with the sows. Yes. Uh, can I just take a moment, Dr. Arn, and say to our friends, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're listening to a, a Meet the Expert interview with Dr. Christian Haun in Denmark about an area, uh, PERS virus elimination program involving as many as 40 farms. Uh, Dr. Haun, uh, would you say then uh, that uh, you had to uh, adopt or adapt uh, control measures on these farms that were not already in place? Did you have to add something they were not already doing? Um, I would say, um, as I mentioned earlier, the biggest task uh, was forming a group of farmers that 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 should work together. That was extremely important. But if you if you put it down to uh, to how we did the eradication programs, uh, really not much. Uh, we we were focusing very much on vaccination programs, obviously to get control of the virus. And on top of that, uh, it was. Uh, about internal uh, biosecurity, all in our uh, out uh, procedures in the farrowing rooms uh, on uh, sectional levels on on the wiener barns and finisher barns and so on. Uh, being you know working with closest uh, disinfection procedures and all that. Uh, so, but that is that is very well known stuff. It's not something new. It's just like. Uh, 
a procedure that we had to run through every farm area uh, to make sure that we could move forward. And was there a timetable? Did there were there phases in this program? You had the farmers together and convinced them. That was obviously the first step. What was the second step? <laughs> Another meeting with the farmers. <laughs> we had a lot of meetings, you know, to 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 get them motivated. Uh, but uh, when when we started up the project, we we started up with specific farms that we consider to be more important to eradicate the virus from uh, compared to other farms. And then during the whole process, we kept uh, calling in the farmers for new meetings, and we showed them on on big maps uh, how far we went. We started uh, with uh, um, coloring all the farms uh, uh, red. And uh, as soon as the farm was free of virus and all the tests were negative, we changed the color on the farm from red to green. And that motivated the farmers uh, a lot because they could see that we were actually getting somewhere. Uh, every meeting we had more green farms and more green farms. And eventually after seven months, uh, roughly seven months, all farms was turned from red to green. So that was a great achievement and that was really motivating, but it took a lot of meetings. And, and a lot of testing, uh, I mean, or was this testing that you were already doing on these sites? Uh, not on that scale. Uh, we did a uh, hundred, maybe even thousands of blood samples. So, and, and, and a lot of other testing. Uh, 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 so, so no, absolutely. That the control, controlling the disease or controlling the uh, checking up on the diagnostic work was was a heavy task as well. I think um, we had pretty much two people on almost full time just testing, just doing blood samples and all to make sure that we did everything right. So who was paying for this? Was it your practice or the farmers or whatever, if you've got these extra testers? Ah, uh, we had a nice sponsor. Ah, good. Okay, that's always a, a good no, thing. It's, it's no, it's, it's no secret. Um, we, we had a lot of uh, practical and also financial help from, from Beringer Ingelheim. Um, they, we had one of their employees, uh, Dr. Anne Priebe, uh, was working, uh, she was su su supposed to work half time in the project for us, uh, but uh, eventually it was more or less full time. So we had uh, great support from Beringer Ingelheim on this. Great support. Now, uh, unfortunately, because of the length of the podcast, I need to uh, uh, draw it to a close in a minute. But I want, first of all, to say what's the future for these 40 farms? Where, you know, they are where they are today. Are they going to be intensively involved in some program going ahead or what happens next? I think we're quite happy with the result that we achieved. And, and as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's quite, quite a closed area. So I believe, at least I hope, that, that we can keep the virus uh, out of the area uh, in the future. So it's basically a steady state a situation that we are now uh, just producing without the virus. Um, so, but next time something goes wrong in that area, I'm pretty sure that it will be a lot easier to, to gather all the, the farmers and, and set up a new program. 
um, because they have already tried it and see the, seen the benefits from that. And as you said earlier, you know, vets in general know how to eliminate purrs on an individual site. Uh, now you've you've been doing it on forty farms, uh, uh, and would there be any chance, in your view, of doing a, a project in an area or a larger area with even more farms? Yes, that's for sure. We are in in Porcus already discussing that if we should try to pick a new and an even larger area next time. Um, also to prove uh, for the, you know, the whole pig industry and, and that this is actually possible. If, if the veterinarians know what they're doing, uh, it's actually possible uh, to, and we are also dreaming of, of eradicating the whole country for the purse virus, uh, because I know it, even if it was 40 farms, uh, it's, it's still a, a relatively small area. But to me, it's not a big issue if we're talking about 20, 40 or 100 farms. As long as the veterinarians know what they're doing, it's not the number of farms, it's how you do it. Uh, so the, the, the highest dream, of course, is to participate in a national eradication program. Now, you've got the vets in Denmark, and it sounds like you've got the goodwill. Is therefore one of the weaknesses or one of the potential barriers just simply people that you've got to be keeping people informed you've got to be educating them and so on and particularly at what level on the each site do you have to educate or, or for this particular program do you have to go from the owner through the manager down through every layer of, of worker or how do you do that in, in your program so far and is that one of the barriers to an even larger scale I think the first thing that uh, one needs to do uh, if if we are starting up a new project is that you 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 gather you 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 gather the the farmers because eventually those are the ones that are allowed to to make the decision do we go or do we not go but if they sort of are motivated then obviously you need also to make the plan uh, in details uh, with uh, not only the farm managers but also the staff. Because they are the, those are the guys that are handle, uh, handling the, the everyday routines where internal biosecurity and stuff like that comes into play. So it is a team effort uh, uh, for everybody who works on the farms, not only the, the owners. Uh, they have to accept the idea, but at the end of the day, all the mistakes, probably most of the uh, mistakes that are being done uh, regarding internal and external biosecurity is done by the staff. So they need the education, they need the training to know what is important and, and what is not important. I see. I'm afraid we must end it there, Dr. Han. Many thanks indeed for taking us through this area PERS virus elimination program in Denmark. It's been fascinating stuff. Uh, let me say to our listeners, thank you for joining us for this conversation with Dr. Christian Hahn of the Porcus uh, Swine Veterinary Practice in Denmark. And uh, we will be having further conversations, Dr. Hahn and I, in other podcasts in the Meet the Expert series. So stay tuned. But for the moment, thank you. Goodbye. Just before you go, 
We hope you've enjoyed hearing our conversation with the most recent winners of the annual European PERS Research Awards. Bear in mind that next time, one of the winners could be you. Beringer Ingelheim is again providing three awards of €25,000 to fund the winning PERS research studies in Europe and is particularly interested in practical proposals. The deadline for submissions is the first day of July and more information can be found on the website pers.com. We hope to hear from you.